Well, turn in your Bibles, and if you want to just turn to Genesis 5, that's where we'll start. just want you to look at several places. So we're right at the very start of the Bible is where we're going to go to first. So Genesis chapter 5. <clears throat> and as you're turning there, we're looking at Christian life. And, you know, I love, I love it when you think about it because we've got the 412 Foundations. We've got the 2-2. We've got the 412 Discipline for Godliness. Well, this one's just called the 412 Christian Life because it basically goes beyond what we'd say is the 412 Foundations. And we, we talk about things in, maybe in a little bit more depth. Uh, and we're seeing great truths. Uh, from the time we trust Christ as Savior until we meet the Lord either by death or He comes to get us, uh, that's our time period called the Christian life. Now, in our first lesson, lesson one, it was called the change. And we said several things. First of all, we are now alive in what? In Christ. We're alive in Christ, if you want to put that down. Second, so we're, we learned what we are, we've been made alive in Christ. We are identified in Christ, and that's the same answer there. And we're also indwelled by the what? Holy Spirit. So that was the first lesson. We saw the, the sort of the change, and the idea was that uh, we've been placed in you know in union with Christ in a new creation, and we've been born again, and the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and all that. Then in lesson two, we talked, and we just had the quiz over. We talked about growth, and we said that what affects our growth is the time, the time that we've you know been on this earth, control, the t- the, are we controlled by the Holy Spirit or not, and then the foundation, which is what? The Word of God. And so that's what we saw in that last lesson. In this lesson... We now move to number three, which is the walk. And if you remember when we first started, we have five lessons that we're calling the foundations, and then the rest of the lessons, we're calling those the details. So we're still in the first five lessons, which are the foundations, and this one is now talking about the walk of the Christian life. We already know that the Christian life is sometimes a wrestling match or a boxing thing or running a race, but the word that's mostly used is the walk of the Christian life. And these next three lessons, three, four, and five, sort of go together about how is the walk described, how are we able to walk, and that's the power, and then what is the results? What does it look like when we live in the power of the Holy Spirit? So we're going to see all that. And, I'm, you know, I'm staying ahead. I've studied, I taught this class, oh, years ago. And so what I'm doing, I'm rewriting every lesson. So it's, this is sort of as if we started over. And this morning or today, I actually finished lesson six, rewriting. And that's going to be when we get into Romans uh, chapter six, which is really the key of the Christian life. So the lessons 6 and 7, which are basically dealing with Romans chapter 6, don't miss those if possible. That, that to me, it changed my life as far as how do you see the Christian life. So uh, that's, that ties into a lot of great things. So what does it mean when people say, how's your walk? How's, the walk? how's your walk in the Christian life? You know, people say, how's your walk? And you go, what, what are they talking about? What do they mean when they say, how's your walk in the Christian life? Anybody ever asked you that? What, what does it mean? Sometimes I trip and fall. Huh? So, sometimes I can trip and fall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, her walk, sometimes she trips and fall. Yeah. What does it mean when somebody says, how's your walk? Walk, walk. Okay, okay, yeah, or, or your fellowship, the idea, you know, walk, so walking, the idea is fellowship with God. We know this, what is walking, the walk of the relationship, our relationship with God comes by what? Comes by faith in Christ. That's our relationship. Can our relationship ever change? No, because no, once, once you trust Christ as Savior, you're born again, you're a child of God, all those things. But our fellowship is basically ongoing. And the goal is that, that we keep it going all the time. But anytime we sin, we're not in fellowship anymore. So somebody could say, is how your walk? And we'd say, walking means I'm being in fellowship with God. Is that what we'd say? That's what the walk of the Christian life is. We're saying, I'm trying to be in fellowship with God. Let's think about walking with God for just a second. Because walking in the Christian life is walking with Jesus and His Word and His power. The Bible describes that. Let's look back to some people who are actually described in the Bible as those who walked with God. Have you ever thought about that? Look at Genesis chapter 5. Look at verse um, 22. Well, verse 21. And Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Who's Methuselah? Oldest man in the Bible. How old? 969 years, exactly, okay. So then, look what it says. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after becoming the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. What do you think that means, he walked with God? It means he had a what? A good fellowship with him. He did, he did. Think about, turn over to look at chapter 6, look at verse 9. These are the records of the generations of who? Who is this? This is Noah. 
Now, these are the generations, the uh, records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah did what? Walked with God. Remember, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So, and so what does it mean to walk with God? I want you to flip over to Genesis 48. Just flip almost to the back of the very first book, Genesis 48, almost to the very end. And there's a description there in 48. And he's describing, and uh, the and Israel are uh, is describing, uh, uh, Jacob's describing some things. In verse 15, he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac, what? Walked. And so what we want to say is, do we walk with God? What does it mean to walk with God? What does it look like? How does the Bible describe it? How does the Bible describe our walk? Let me erase this because we're going to write some things up on the board as we go through this so you can sort of get the big picture. It's a little bit hard because walk is used so many different places. Uh, I just wanted you to, to, to see how it puts together. When we think about the walk, there are just two things I want you to, to write under the walk. This is not anything big. It's, not, it's just a, an overview. But number one is that the walk is a prog is a process. It's a process and a progress. In other words, it, it's something that's ongoing and we're supposed to be making progress in the walk. It's progressive. It's day by day. It's step by step. I think that's the reason the Bible uses the word walk all the time because when we think about running, uh, can you run all the time? Now you go, no, I can't run all the time. I can't run hardly any time. But, but, but you think about walking, you say, oh, yeah, I, you know, I can walk. And it, most people can walk, and we just can. And so the Christian life is described as a walk with God or, or a walk. The second thing is I've got that there are uh, three key words. Just where number two said, number two, just write three key words. And I'm going to give you three words for you to think about there. They're not really even for what we're dealing with as much tonight. I just want you to see the three, or think about the three key words. The one word is the Bible. The second, second word is obedience. And the third word is power. And so when we think about the walk of the Christian life, it's knowing and applying the Bible, it's being faithful to obey the Bible, and it's doing it in God's power, those three things. So I just, I just wanted you to think about that before we actually start looking at the walk of the Christian life and how it's described. And, it, you know, when I started looking at it, I thought, well, you know, walk, uh, you know, um, Galatians 5, walk in the Spirit, you know, yeah, I, I think I know that one, you know, and then I think, well, where else does it say it? And then you don't, then you don't really think about it, but it's all over the place. And so let's think about the walk of the Christian life, and so we're going to call, call it the walk described. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, flip over there, and for tonight, there's going to be a lot of times we're going to be in the book of Ephesians, because the book of Ephesians talks about it a lot about the walk of the Christian life and those kind of things. So look at Ephesians 4.1, and I'm going to write some things up here, and I'm going to keep it up here during the night as well so you can see the flow of how we're talking about. So Ephesians 4.1, we're going to talk about the walk described, and the first aspect, the walk is described. Let me read it, and you tell me how it's described. Chapter Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner Worthy of the calling which you've been called. So this is a what? A worthy walk. Now, worthy of what? What are we talking about when we say a worthy walk? A worthy walk, he says, I, I charge you. I implore you. I, I, I'm, I'm, that word actually means beg. I'm begging you as a prisoner of the Lord. I'm in, he's in prison. I implore you. I beg you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called. How have we been called? We're called what? What are we called? Children of God. What else are we called? Are we called saints? Are we called holy ones? Yeah. Uh, I mean, think of all the names that were called in the Bible as believers. And we're walk worthy of the calling which we've been called. We better live out who we are. That's what he's actually saying. We're called children of God. We're called saints. We're called worthy. We belong to God. We should live as those who belong to God. We live, are we, as we live daily, we're to live as one who's in the family of God. You know, there's a whole misconception. You hear people talking and they say, uh, every human being is in the family of God. No, 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 no. Every human being is made in the image of God. 
And every human being is being created by God, but only those who believed in Jesus Christ are in the family of God. And so this is a worthy walk. And so uh, what does it mean? What, what does it mean to, to be worthy? Well, Ephesians 4 right there, I've got it. I want you to just stay there for a second. And I think if you want to go to the top of the next page where a worthy walk is characterized in verses 2 and 3. And look what it says, because it might surprise you. He says, uh, Therefore, I, as a prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the call which you've been called, with all what? What's the first one? Humility. What's next? Gentleness. What's next? Patience. But does that sort of almost sounds like what? The fruit of the Spirit. That's what it sounds like, isn't it? No. With humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, and then being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, so look at those words. What are, what's, the, what's the fruit of the Spirit? What's, what's one? Love. Love is in there. What's next? Joy. How about next? Peace. How about patience? How about kindness? How about gentleness? How about, I mean, so what he's saying is when you live out who you are, that you're characterized by being a person of humility, a person of gentleness, a person of patience, a person of love, a person of tolerance, a person of unity. Because he goes on to say being diligent to keep the bond of the, uh, the unity of the Spirit. Let me ask you something. Do we cause the unity in the body? No, we don't. When we, who put us in the body? Here's the body, right? Who put us in there? Christ, the Holy Spirit. So we, we don't make the unity, but what are we supposed to do? Preserve the unity. Because He's already put us all in one body. That's why this is one body with many members and all those kind of things. So he actually says, we're diligent to preserve, to hang, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so you notice that it almost looks like he's describing the fruit of the Spirit when he starts saying, this is what a worthy walk looks like. We're characterized in that way. So gentleness and humility and patience and tolerance and love and unity. So the first aspect is a worthy walk. Okay, the second one is found in Colossians chapter 2. So just flip a few pages, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and get to chapter 2. And I want you to see the other way. And we're going to put this as an overarching aspect. Colossians chapter 2, look at verse 6. I'm going to read it. You tell me what it says. Therefore, He's summing it up because he's been talking to them about things and rejoicing. And he says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How did we receive Christ? By what? By faith. So how do we walk? By faith. And so it is a worthy walk of faithfulness or a faithful, <laughs> worthy walk, right? I mean, it could be either one. And so we, we want to think about this. This is the overarching aspect. He says, I want you to walk worthy as a faithful child of God. I want you to be faithfully walking. And you could even put it, a worthy walk of faith. In fact, that's what, I really like that one, the, a worthy walk of faith. So there... That's our description. He says, I want you to have a worthy walk of faith. I want you to walk worthy you call in as a child of God, as a saint, as a set-apart one. I want you to be faithful as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord. You've received him by faith. I want you to walk by faith. And so we live and walk by faith. And by the way, faith always has a what? Anybody remember? Always has a what? An object. Has to. Has to. What's the object of our faith for salvation? What is it? It's Jesus, isn't it? In the object of our faith, Jesus Christ, we're trusting in Jesus Christ to give us eternal life. People, I've heard people say, you need to trust in the work of Christ. No, you don't trust in the work of Christ. You trust in Christ who did the work. I've heard people say, you need to trust the death and resurrection of Christ. No, you trust Jesus who died and rose again. It's different. Does... does um, do a lot of people believe Jesus died and rose again? Does, do every one of those people who believe Jesus died and rose again, have they also trusted in him for eternal life? Not necessarily. 
So to say our faith is in the death and resurrection of Christ? No. Our faith is in Christ who died and rose again. What's the object of our faith in the Christian life? What'd you say? Well, in a sense, he, he is the living word. And he wrote it. And we, the object of our faith is the what? The written word, right? How do you know what to do? Where do you go? What's the object of your faith? The Bible. In the Bible, do you go back to the scripture and look at the scripture and see what it says? So, and, and you, could, you could say, well, the living word and the written word, I mean, Jesus did it all. And Jesus says, when you look in the Bible, you're seeing me. And so you could say, well, the object of our faith for salvation is Jesus Christ who died and rose again for us and we trust in him. object of our faith for the Christian life is really to, to put the focus on Jesus, run the race with endurance, looking unto Jesus. That's true, but he has given to, given to us a what? A written revelation that we go back to because we don't really have him here to, uh, to, um, to say, uh, would you come in here and tell me something? He's not here. So we have a written revelation to go back to. So we have what we call a worthy walk of faith. Now, how does the Bible put this together? How does it talk about it? Because think about it. We're living the Christian life as a worthy walk of faith. So I've got some things for you. If you notice on your little handout, it says aspects of our walk. If you want to write out there, aspects of our walk, our worthy walk of faith. You could just write out right beside aspects of our walk. You could write worthy walk of faith. Everybody know where we are? We're still at the top of the page right after it says faith always has an object. Okay. If you want to write out outside by aspects of our walk, put worthy walk of faith because we're going to talk about that. And there's different places that he says different things. And I'm going to put them up and I want you to think through them. The first one is found in Romans 6, 4. You don't have to turn there, but just listen to this. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father so we too might walk in newness of life. So it's what? We walk how? In a new life. And we're going to go down as we go through this study. We're going to go down. What in the world does it mean a new life? Well, we know that any man be in Christ, he's a what? New creation. We're not the way we used to be. Let me draw this up for just one second. You remember, this is us, okay? This is a, let's just say this is, a, let's do it this way. This is the unbeliever. The unbeliever has a what? Has a body? What's next? Has a soul? Has a conscience? Has a flesh? Okay, now that's an unbeliever. They have a body. A soul relates to the world around them. That's the word for the natural man. That's the soulish man. And he has a conscience, which says right from wrong. The law is written in on hearts. And then he has the flesh, which is the bent to sin. The bent to sin. The natural bent to sin. The moment we trust Christ. Remember what you say? When we trust in Christ, we are what? We are placed in union with Christ. That's what we got put in the body of Christ. And then it said we became a what? A new creature. Okay, then we said there were two aspects of being a new creature. One is that we are made alive spiritually. Become made alive. It's called regeneration. It's called born again, whatever. Made alive spiritually. We're spiritually alive. And the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. This is who we are. This is the new life. The new life is that we were dead, but now we're alive spiritually. We, could, we were controlled by the flesh. Now we can be controlled by the Holy Spirit. This part always sins. This part cannot sin. There's been just so much in here. And so there's this, here we are as a new creation in Christ. So he says, I want you to walk worthy of your calling. I want you to walk by faith. So it's a worthy walk of faith. And the very first thing we see is we walk in a new life. We're new people. We're new people. Remember we said, uh, are you a sinner just saved by grace or are you a new creation in Christ? I mean, we know that we're sinners saved by grace. But if we go through life like this, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. That's how we're going to live, as an old sinner saved by grace. But if you understand who you are in Christ, a new creation in Christ, that, that's a whole different way to look at it. So, here's what I want you to see. Um, he's going to, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so, we have a new life, and you see the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit and things like that. 
Well, some people, you don't see any changes in their life. But yeah. they say we believe. Do you sometimes wonder if they really believe? Or what is it? What is the right. is, is, is It's a great life? question. She said that when you believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, people, and you see the fruit of the Spirit, right? And we just saw that in Ephesians 4, 1, 2, 3, he said, this is how you walk worthy. You have love and joy and, you know, and pay, kindness. And, okay, that, he, okay, that's what's supposed to be coming out in your life. Okay, did he say that's automatically going to come out in your life? Or did he say, this is, I want you to walk worthy of your calling, doing the following things, right? So the truth is this, that as a believer, we should, the fruit of the Spirit should come out. We should look like new people. There should be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, favor, gentleness, self-control. You know, all of that should be coming out. But if we're controlled by the Holy Spirit, and will that come out? Answer is, yes. Okay, as we grow. Okay, if we're controlled by the flesh, what will come out? It'd be Galatians five nineteen through 21. Just for a second. Galatians five nineteen through 21. Now, the deeds of the flesh are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, dissension, disputes, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousals, and things like these. That's how he says it. Okay, so could a believer look like that? He could, right? Could a believer look like this? How is a believer supposed to look? Okay, so when we talk to people and we say, they said they trusted in Christ, but I don't see any change. I don't see... Well, first of all, we don't know what their mind is. We don't know what they think. We don't, we're not with them 24 hours a day. We don't know if they ever pray. We don't know if they, we don't know if they ever say, Oh, Lord, I messed up again. I mean, we don't know what they're doing. So the closest you could say is, when I look at a person's life, they don't look like a Christian. But the truth is, you can't... What? You can't judge it that way. You can't... I mean, the most you could ever say is that person doesn't look like or the way they live, they don't seem to be living a new life, a worthy walk of faith. We, I don't seem to see the fruit of the Spirit coming out. I just don't see it. But that doesn't mean that they're not born again. It just means that they're living in the power of the flesh and not the power of the Spirit. And that's why Paul says, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, if you're not walking in the Spirit, what are you fulfilling? Lust of the flesh. So it, it, you could be an unbeliever living good, and they look like a believer. You could be a believer living bad, and they look like a unbeliever. So the truth is about the only way that you can know, and when I say no, if you came to me and you, let's, say you, let's say you looked at my life and you said, that JB is just, he's bad, he's bad. But, but if you came up to me and said, JB, do you think if you were to die, you'd go to heaven? And I said, yeah, yeah. And you said, why? I said, well, because... I put my trust in Christ as my Savior. I believe in Him. All right? What do you know from that? The best you can tell, it sounds like I've trusted Christ. Now, I may not be living it out. But what if you found a person and they're a pretty nice person and they're a pretty good person? And you said to them, hey, if you were to die, you think you'd go to heaven? And they go, I think I would. And you go, how come? And they say, well, you know, I've tried to live a good life. You go, oh, my gosh, that's a really good person who's probably not even a Christian. So how we live. Now, that... Before you were a believer, and we had this, before we didn't have this, we were this. But that didn't mean everything we ever did was bad. Do bad people do good things? I mean, historically, yeah. I mean, no, nobody's as bad as they could be, you know. Nobody's as bad as they could be, and nobody's as good as they could be. There's bad in every good person, and there's good in every bad person. And uh, so it's really hard when people say, uh, yeah, I've trusted Christ, but you don't see anything. The truth is this, it's, uh, we're really not the ones to decide if they're Christians or not. We may say, I just, you know, I'm going to always just keep giving them the gospel. <laughs> it may be you say that over and over because maybe they hadn't got it. Maybe they don't know what you're saying. Because I've, I've talked to people, I remember a person 
that was in the church that I knew, and they were in groups like youth. They heard the gospel over and over and over. And it was years later before they said, I never really got it until I was like 22 or 23. And they'd been, you know, from 12, 13, 14, 15. They had been in the youth group where the Bible was taught and everything, and they didn't get it till they were 24, 25. So you don't know. But um, the, the one thing I do is I, I just say to myself, you remember the passage where it says you'll know them by their... Fruits. It doesn't say fruit. It says fruits. The fruit of the Spirit is singular, where fruits was plural there. And he's talking about false prophets. And you'll know them by their fruits. And everybody immediately thinks you'll know them by their lifestyle. But you can't know them by their lifestyle because even in that passage, it says they look like they're wolves who look like what? Sheep. So they look right. They live right. But as you put the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke together, and that same parable is in both of them, and you put them together... Jesus says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, the only way you can tell what anybody really believes is by what they'll tell you. That's a close. So if I said to you, and I'm living really terrible, and you said to me, you know, where do you stand with Christ? I said, look, I've trusted him as Savior. I know I'm going to heaven because I put my faith in him. You'd have to say, well, he's telling me he's a believer. He's just not living like it. And and so I, I just... I just know that uh, if you look at my life, there are going to be times that I look like a believer, and there are going to be times I look like an unbeliever. You too? Yeah, Tom. I'm just curious, as you, as you go down that thing, I just want you to kind of explain it to me, uh, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's uh, in Galatians. Uh, thanks for bringing that up, Tom. But anyway, let me know. That is actually a good passage. Let me read it for you. Just for a second. Just listen. You don't have to turn there. But the, Paul is writing, and he says, here are the deeds of the flesh. And he lists out the deeds of the flesh. Now, if you live in... Let me, let's say, let me ask you this question. If you live in the flesh as a Christian, can you live in the flesh as a Christian? And then when you die and you go stand before Jesus, and you stand before Jesus, what's it going to be like? Will he say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or will you be ashamed at his coming? Okay, this passage says that all he lists all these things and he says, I warn you, those who practice such things, live in the flesh, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Inheriting the kingdom of God is not the same as entering the kingdom of God. How do you enter the kingdom of God? By faith. Inheriting the kingdom is rewards. If you live in a fleshly lifestyle, you're not going to inherit. When you stand before Jesus, he's not going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, here's what I've got for you. And so he's, all he's saying in there is, if you live in a fleshly lifestyle, you won't have many rewards. Okay, does that help so far? If y'all got questions, listen, yeah, always bring up anything. This is, uh, as we go through this, there's a lot of neat things in here and some things we won't touch on, some things we probably need to touch on that we're not touching on or maybe not going into the details. But, uh, yeah, that's a, most people have that and they'll say, I have friends who tell me they're a Christian, but they sure don't look like it and I've never seen any change. And I go, so you followed them around 24 hours a day? Well, no. I said, so you don't know whether they've changed. You don't know. You don't know what. You don't know if they've ever had a Bible. You don't know what they what they're doing. Yes. I think it kind of goes back to what we've been talking to on Sundays too, though, about Christ looked at the internal, not the external. Yeah. Yeah. So they were the Pharisees that did all the right things, but he looked at the heart, not right. that. Right. Exactly. And, and and so that's the bottom. If we looked at a Pharisee in the first century, we probably say that guy's pretty much okay. I mean, if we just didn't think about it, we. Well, that guy does everything right. And we looked at the tax collector, and he worked for the Romans, and we hate him anyway. And we know he's called a sinner. I mean, there were people called sinners. There were the prostitutes, the loose women, the tax collectors, uh, sometimes the tanners because they had to work with animals, and they were greasy and everything. And some people called them, yeah, just stay away from us. I mean, really, this, there were all kind of people that were called sinners. And then there were just regular people. And then there were righteous, well, not righteous people, there were religious people. And then there were righteous people. Righteous people were those who had believed in the Messiah. Uh, you know, so it, there, when you see it, it, Jesus always looks at the internal. He knows, he knows everything about us. He knows where we are. He knows, he knows who's winning the battle inside on a daily basis. So he knows it all. So good stuff. Okay, now, so we said, let me, uh, I'm going to get rid of this, okay? So here we are 
a walk of faith in a new life. And we saw that this new life in Ephesians, it, it basically tells us what, what it's like. And so look, look down a little further at Ephesians 4, 17. And let me get over there because I went over to Galatians. Listen to what he says. This I say, affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. So we're not to walk as what? Unbelievers, yeah. He's basically, listen, if, if he has to command us and tell us, don't walk like an unbeliever, is it possible to walk like an unbeliever? Yeah, I mean... I mean, that's what's so funny to me. I have these people who say, well, you can lose your salvation or you never got it or you did this. And I say, okay. Uh, uh, then if, if, because they'll say, if you're a real Christian, you'll do this. And I say, well, then why is the whole New Testament full of Paul and Peter and James telling believers, don't do this and do this. If you're not going to do this, why do they have to tell you don't do it? Truth is, we're capable of what? Any sin. Okay. Now, so, now, I love this part. Because I want you to see this. He says, don't walk like the unbelievers. And then he tells us something in Ephesians 4, right above, right above Ephesians 4, 22, right, put off and put on. Right, put off and put on. And then we'll fill in the blanks. Because the next thing is put off the old and put on the new. Look what he says in Ephesians uh, 4, 22. He says, therefore, in reference to your former, ma former manner of life, how did we live as an unbeliever? Now, some of you, may, you may have trusted Christ at six years old, so you weren't that bad, you know, except you disobeyed your mom and daddy and did everything you weren't supposed to do. But, but then there were, some of us were older when we trusted in Christ. But he says, in reference to your former manner of life, you've got to remember the church in Ephesus, there were a lot of people that they had worshipped Diana, they had all kind of perversion, and when Paul came into Ephesus and led people to Christ, it was a huge awakening, and there were a lot of... Older pe people, mature people who trusted Christ. So if he said your former manner of life, they'd say, yeah, we had some, we didn't live very good. You know, we lived pretty raunchy. And so he said that in reference to your former manner of life, lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. Put away, put off, lay aside the old self. What's the old self? What is it? It's the, really the flesh. Okay, lay aside the old self, the old life. And so put off the, the old life. And what was our manner? And without going into a lot of details in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, we lived according to the world, the flesh, the devil. You can just write that down. That's how we lived. As unbelievers, we lived world, flesh, and devil. And are we still capable of living according to the world, the flesh, and the devil? We sure are. And why is he telling us you put this off if we don't need to put it off? We have to put it off. So he says, put off the old. And then, as you go a little further, go to the top of the next page. And then what does he say in verse 24? And put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God has created the righteousness and holiness. So the new self is right and holy. Righteousness. This is the spirit. This is the new person. Do you realize that even though you're a new person, you've got to put on the new person? And you've got to put off the old person. Because we're just as capable of living the old person, right? Remember, we have the flesh and the what? The Holy Spirit and the Spirit, which is the new person in Christ. And we've got this battle going on inside of us all the time. And he says, this is how you live the Christian life. Listen, we're, well, it's a worthy walk of faith. You're a new life. Don't walk as the unbeliever. Not walk as an unbeliever, but put off the old and put on the new. Wow. And you know when you do that? When do you do that? Well, okay. It, 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 but is Paul talking to these people and saying, now as you get saved right here, I want you to put off the old and put on the new? When do you put off the old and put on the new? Every day. Exactly. You, you, are you, do you have the capabilities of every day to live righteously and godly? Do you have the capability every day to live badly? Exactly. So we got to put off the what? The old person and put on the new person.
So we're we're it, it's going on now. I've got I've got something for you in Romans eight. There's a contrast. Romans eight, and I don't want you to have to turn it. I'm going to read it to you. But in Romans chapter eight, verse four says that the requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. This is how we walk: a worthy walk of faith. A new life, not as unbelievers, putting off the old, putting on the new, not the flesh, but the spirit. This is what's going on. Now, he's going to describe something else as well. Um, and I might have to go just a touch faster, but if you do have questions, we'll stop just without turning to First John. Here's what he says, First John 5. He says, this is the message we've heard from him and announced to you that God is light. And in him there's no darkness. Now, so light is what? That's God and that's holiness, right? Yes or no? Okay. And then darkness is sin. Is that right? So he says, I just want you to know that God is light and there's no darkness in him. If we say, third class if, maybe, maybe not. If we say we have fellowship with him... That's doing what? It's walking with him. If we say we have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So we've got darkness and light. We'd say not darkness, but light. Think about this worthy walk of faith. It's a new life, not as unbelievers, putting off the old, putting on the new. Not the flesh, but the spirit. Not the darkness, but the light. This is how he describes us. First Peter 2, verse, basically this last part of verse 9, basically says that we, we walk in the light, in the marvelous light, as we've been called out of darkness. So walk in the light, that's what he's saying. Live righteously and godly. Now we're not through because we got a few more, but I hope somewhere you're you're writing this down or thinking it through. That and I and at the very end of the lesson we'll put this all down so you, you, we'll put it all together for you. But think about this. So we want to walk worthy of our calling. It's a walk of faith as we receive Christ Jesus the Lord. So walk in Him, and it's a new life. It's the newness of life. And we don't live like the unbelievers, but what we do is we put off the old, which is the flesh, and we put on the new, which is the spirit, and we don't live in darkness, because darkness is sin, but we live in the light, which is holiness and God. This is who we are. With that in mind, I want you to turn, and you, you should probably be in Ephesians, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5, because in Ephesians chapter 5, he gives us three key aspects of the walk of the Christian life. We've already seen new life, not as an unbeliever, put off the old, put on the new, not flesh but spirit, not darkness but light. But he's going to give us three words. And I'm not going to go, just based on time, we're not going to go into a huge amount of detail, but I want you to see the three ways he describes the Christian walk in Ephesians 5. And the very first one is Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Let me read it to you and you tell me what it is. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering, a sacrifice to God, and a fragrant aroma. So what is this? Walk of what? A walk in love. You hear people say love all the time. That's, that's really the key, isn't it? To, when we say, uh, he says, be imitators of God as beloved children, what, what, is, what did Jesus do? He walked, we walk in love just as Christ loved us. What is the great commandment? When they came to Jesus and they said, well, what is the great commandment? What did Jesus say? Okay, he said, well, the first, the great, first of all, the great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And the second is equal to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we're going to see that he changed that, by the way. He changed that. It's pretty neat. But the bottom line is, what is the key? It's love, isn't it? Love who? Love God and love Others. That, I mean, that's bottom line. So you, you want to be characterized as a walk of love. Okay, I want, to, I want you to think about something. That God, Jesus changed it. Do you remember John 13? Jesus said this, a new commandment that I give you. 
Exactly. Listen to this. A new commandment I give you that you love one another. Okay, if we stopped right there, we'd say, that's not a new commandment. Because in the Old Testament, you love your neighbor as, as yourself. That's the Old Testament. But Jesus didn't say that. And Roxy's just right. It says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another even as I have loved you. You love one another. By this, all men will know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. This new commandment is to love others as Christ loves us. That is amazing. So it's love. That's the key word here. The key word in the Christian life, as is, is described there, is the aspect of love, as he has loved us. People know that we belong to Jesus Christ. John 3, 16, God so what? Love the world. First John 4, 9, in this is love, not that we love God, but God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. So those verses are great. Uh, you ought to memorize First John 4, 9, and 10. Really, you ought to. It is so good. Maybe we'll put that on a test as a bonus or something. But First John 4, 9 and 10 is beautiful, isn't it? And this is love. Not that we love God, but God loved us, sent his son to be the satisfactory payment for our sins. And, and uh, since he so loved us, we ought to what? Love others. I'm going to raise the question in several weeks. And we've talked about it in here before. If we have eternal life and we're saved and we're saved forever... And how we live has no bearing on our eternal destiny. And that's on our rewards, but not our destiny. Then why in the world should we live good? Because that's what we're going to see in Romans 6. That's the very first question Paul raises in Romans 6. Shall we continue in sin that grace would just keep covering sin? In fact, the more you sin, the more God shows his grace. And so that makes God look good by us sinning. That's, what, that's the question that's raised. And you hear people say this all the time. He says, you people at Stillwater Bible, you tell people that they can be saved and live any way they want to. Have you ever heard me say, you can be saved and live any way you want to? Have you heard me say that when you're saved, you're saved forever? Right. Now, you, can you live any way you want to as a Christian and still have eternal life? Yeah, you can, but you're not going to be very happy because he won't let you because you're a child of God then, and then he'll take you and wear your little booty right out. He will. We're going, yeah, wow. Wow, and he said, now I'm going to sit down. No, I don't want to sit down, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, when people start saying, oh, yeah, you can live any way you want to. Well, you might can live any way you want to for a little while. But whom the Lord loves, he does what? Chastens and scourges every child he receives. They belong to him. So walk in love. Now, let me raise something real quickly. What, what I've got, how can we show love to people? And I have two things. A, tell them the gospel message. Tell them about Jesus Christ. Isn't that the greatest way to show love is to make sure that they know Jesus Christ as Savior, to share the message of Jesus Christ? I mean, that's, that's it. Telling people how they can have eternal life. That's the greatest thing. I remember I had this friend uh, that he... I was kind of a third party, and I was watching these two guys. They had known, they had been friends for a long time. This guy had been a Christian. This guy was not a Christian. And one day, when they were all in college, he went to him. He heard about Christ, and he trusted Christ. So he came back, and he said to his friend, "Guess what? I just want you to know, I trusted Christ." And the guy said, "Yeah, I've, I've been a Christian." And he said, "Well, why didn't you tell me? Have you thought about that?" We're so afraid we're going to offend somebody. We don't even tell them the greatest truth of all. So the greatest love you can show for a person is tell them about Christ. The second be, uh, be there, the second thing, is by serving others. Galatians 5.13, by love, serve one another. And, and they'll know us by our words and our deeds. They'll know us by our love one for another. So we'll see that. There's, there's a lot. We can talk more about it. So we walk in love. I want you to look down at Ephesians 5.8. Look what it says. You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So I've got the second one is to walk in the light, right? And what does it mean to walk in light? What does it mean? See, this is light. Huh? Well, it would, it, would, it would be walking in the Spirit, but it has the idea of the difference between light and darkness. What is that? Holiness, right? Holiness and sin. The Bible all the time uses the distinction between light and darkness. If you remember in the Gospel of John, it says men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. If you want to do something wrong, do you go put the big spotlight up and tell everybody, look, I just want everybody to see me doing something wrong? Or do we hide it when we do something wrong? 
we don't want people to see us doing things wrong, do we? Can we hide it because there's darkness there? I mean, I think of some of the places that uh, that I really, I don't, this is going to sound weird, but if you think about those joints, that they don't have windows, you know, the, I mean, it's just, there's like darkness in there when you, in certain places, and it's because that's, that's the picture, darkness, you do things in the dark. Philippians 4.14 says, be innocent, blameless children of God, above reproach, in which we shine as lights in the world. We're supposed to be lights. Walk in light. And of course, Matthew 5.16 basically says, let your light shine so that the Father will get the glory. So be, be, be men and women of light. We're to walk in light. Uh, we're the sons of light. So that's who we are. Walk in light. So we walk in love and we walk in light. And look at the last one, 5.15 and 16. He says, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as what? Unwise men, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. This is walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. I, I, what is wisdom? Have you ever thought about it? What exactly is wisdom? When you say that's a wise person or, you know, we want to gain wisdom. When you look at the Proverbs, we say Proverbs are wisdom literature. What is wisdom? Okay, wisdom is knowledge plus application equals wisdom. I mean, you can know something, but not apply it in your life, and you're not very wise. You can know and apply it. Yes? That would be. That, because that's what he said, let the mind which is in Christ Jesus be in you. Now, that goes on down and talks about humility. But the bottom line is, uh, like Proverbs and all that wisdom literature is, 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 is basically what would be a godly right thing to do, right? Isn't that, isn't that what wisdom is? So we walk in love, we walk in light, and we walk in wisdom. We're not through. We got one more. But look at this. A worthy walk of faith, a new life, not as the unbeliever, putting off the old, putting on the new. Not the flesh, but the spirit. Not the darkness, but the light. Walking in love, walking in light, walking in wisdom. This is who we are. This is our walk. And that's what we, that's why you, you I, I love this, um, that part right there at the very end where he says, making the most of your time because the days are evil. How many of us agree days are evil? They're getting worse and worse, isn't it? I mean, it's getting worse and worse. In fact, it's getting, it's getting worse so much faster than it used to get worse. I mean, we know it's been bad for a long time. I mean, it's always been bad. But good gracious, I think with the technology and the way that, the way that you could take your phone and you could put something on your phone right here, right now, and it could go all over the entire world from this room. We, 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 we do a message. On, on, this message right here. It's going to go all over the whole world because we put it on the website and we get calls from people all over the world. We get emails from people saying, I've been listening to this study. I listen to your angels and demons. I listen. It's, they're all over the world. We got one from New Zealand. We got the, just the other day, New Zealand. We got one from Japan. We got one from Korea. We got one from uh, uh, Micronesia. That's near the Philippines. This person wrote and said, well, I'm really enjoying this study. And... And I wrote back and said, where are you? And she wrote, I'm in Micronesia. We didn't have any idea what it you know, We didn't know where it was. So we can put something in this room, it'll go all over the whole world. You can put something on your phone, it'll go all over the whole world. So you can put something good on your phone, it'll go over the whole world. You can put something bad on your phone, it'll go over the whole world. Evil will travel just as fast as good. In fact, evil travels faster. So... We walk in light, walk in, walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom. Finally, one last one. And just, you're in Ephesians, back to Ephesians chapter 2. Everybody knows Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, right? For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, what? For what? And then how does it go on? That we would walk in them. So Ephesians 2, 10, we walk in Good works. I'm writing it down here, but I'll get it to you better later. Good works. Are we supposed to do good works? Do we do good works to be saved? Do we do good works to stay saved? Do we do good works to show everybody we're saved? No, not really. Why do we do good works? Because we are saved and we want to live for our Savior. 
And, I mean, there are people out there who are saying, I hope I do enough good things to somehow prove to myself, to their self, that they're saved. And, and by the way, these things are written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. You, don't, you, you can know immediately, it doesn't, based on your lifestyle, you can know that you're saved. So, right there, where it says our walk, okay? Where it says our walk, write down, worthy walk of faith, just that on one line, worthy walk of faith. And then under that, put new life. And then put not as unbeliever. And then put off old, put on the new. Then put not flesh, but spirit. Then put not darkness, but light. Then put on one line, light, excuse me, love, light, wisdom. And then at the, the last one, good works. That's us. That's our walk. You know, I would have thought, if you just said to me, Where many, how many different places are going to talk about walk? And I'd say, well, maybe like three. Look how much is there about our walk. So let me give you the summary. Summary at, at number one, as a believer, let's live worthy lives. Number two, let's live a walk of faith. Number three, as new creations, put off the old. As new creations, put off the old. Put on the new. Not flesh, but spirit. Not light, but darkness. I mean, not darkness, but light. I said it wrong. Okay. So as new, as new creations, let's put off the old, put on the new. Not flesh, but spirit. Not darkness, but light. And then the last one, number four, is, is you could put a lot, but just what you could just say, let us, let us walk in love, light, and wisdom. Doing good works. Let us walk in uh, love, light, and wisdom. Doing good works. I want to. Th I want you to think about something. Look at the contrast here. Here's what God says to us: There's darkness and sin, and there is light and holiness. And so you have choices. We wake up every day, and He says, "I want you to live worthy." worthy walk of faith. That's what I want you to do because you have a new life. So don't live like an unbeliever but put off this old and put on this new and don't live in the flesh but live in the spirit and don't live in darkness but live in light and love people and be holy and be wise and do good works. Now, that's a lot of stuff. In the world, a contrast? I mean, you got the choice every day. I got the choice every day, and I can either live on this side, so to speak, or live on this side. It can happen just like that. I can be walking somewhere, and I'm on this side doing pretty good. And it won't take but just a second, I'll be on this side. Right? And that's why the goal is to walk worthy, the calling, to live out who we are. A memory verse I put down was Ephesians 4.1. And, of course, you know Ephesians 4.1. I urge you, therefore, the prison of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called.